can't end on anything else. That's it. Can't end. That's the best thing to end there with. It is. Perfect, man. All right, buddy. You think so? Is that good enough? The, the happiness thing? Come yeah. on. Yeah, change the world? Yeah. For sure. Okay. Hello, ladies and gents. This is Jimmy Freeze, and you're listening to the newest and hottest podcast on the market. This show is to connect your ears to the mouths of some of the most inspiring and influential people I know. But enough about me. Let's talk you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into the WHIP podcast studio for today's episode of Let's Talk You. I'm sitting alongside Max Merkin. Max is not going to sugarcoat it. You are one of the most uh, biggest role models that I have at Temple University right now. And uh, you could shake your head or you could you could in your head think that that's uh, but it's absolutely not. Hey, because, I appreciate that, man. Um, I've, I've watched you. I'm an intentful watcher, and I've seen you every every aspect of your game if you want to call it is up to par like you're never off you know i, I don't see you uh, behind closed doors which i which i think is okay um but you uh, you're just always on and you're always ready to help people though with a, with a good personality and a good vibe which uh a lot of people in my life i haven't found great vibes about but those uh there are people and uh you are one of them welcome to the show thank nice. you wow what, what a way to start wow. that means a lot jim i appreciate it yeah uh, I, I attribute that to a lot of good leaders here. I, I kind of started doing a lot as a freshman and got to see a lot of good seniors doing a lot of different things, and so that impacted me a lot. Um, there were a lot of good leaders in my life in high school, and mm-hmm. so now that uh, I guess when, when we met, I was already an upperclassman here, so I was doing some more senior staff leadership stuff at the the Temple University media outlets, and so um, I guess if you'd see me before that, I don't know if you'd have the same opinion. But right. yeah, I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from somebody so ambitious and Thank you. and uh, you, I, you see a lot of different people. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. So you got your LA hat on. I do. You are proud. L- you are a California bred guy. I am Santa Monica native. Santa Monica. So why the heck the hef heck? Why well, combined both? Why the heck Temple Max? I you know I think there's a lot of different reasons. Um, the one that I give people when I don't want to have a long conversation with them is that my dad went here. Okay. Um, and so that's an easy one. People but you like, want to have a long conversation. Yeah, so. you know, absolutely. We're here for a long time, so I'll get into it. But, okay. Uh, you know, that's easy. People understand that. It's like a legacy thing. And I did. I grew up an Owls fan. Like, I remember not so much as a little kid, but but maybe when I was 10, 11, watching Temple basketball games. And and I remember their, their, their bowl game in 2011. The Gildan New Mexico Bowl. Yeah, who they play? UCLA. That's why, because oh. I, I, they was on TV yeah. and UCLA was the hometown team, and and my father mentioned that he went to the school they were playing, and so I, I recall that somewhat. Mm. So that's what I tell people to to get out of the conversation. <laughs> but it was really, I, I had a long list of things I was looking for in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to to get into sports broadcasting, so that was one major component. I knew I wanted to major in something that wasn't sports broadcasting. I didn't want to only do that. So that was another big component. And I didn't want to give up living in a big city. I'm from Santa Monica. It's it's a small, I would say, a eh, regular-sized town mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Um, and I, I liked the accessibility of everything. So I wanted to come to a big city. Philadelphia was that. Um, and an odd one, I wanted to minor in sport management. I don't know why, but that was a, a goal at the time, and Temple had that program. So mm-hmm. everything on that list really only pointed to Temple. There was no other school. I mean, even if you think of, like, the best Hughes. media program. Syracuse was not even close. It's no. eight hours away from everything. Yeah, I, I would. I think I was talking to somebody whose, uh, whose brother goes there, and you could fly into one of three different airports, but none are within four hours. Oh like, goodness. it's crazy. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous yeah. A ridiculously located school and so that was never in my mind Syracuse isn't a big market mm-hmm. um, it was really only Temple and I applied to like six other schools it was a big thing to apply to colleges where I went to high school some people applied to like 20 okay 20 25 schools was it a big thing to do out-of-state too uh, yeah I would say so mm-hmm. I, I think 
Uh, there's definitely something about where I'm from in the Big Ten. I don't know why, but where I went to high school, a lot of kids go to. Really? It's, it's this, um, yeah, I, I think it's this atmosphere. Okay. This sort of college town. It's the best four years of your life. You do the fraternity or the sorority, and you, you tailgate the games. and mm-hmm. Or, yeah, you know, you, you just, it's a, a much different atmosphere than something like Temple. And you could walk around the whole campus yeah, drunk. And, yeah, you know. absolutely. And, and the the... The, everything is in one space, and the town is cute because it really only revolves around the college. Right. Uh, and I just didn't want that, but that was a big, an, an attractive thing for people that went to high school with me. So, how since you're four years living at and Philadelphia, three and a half, three and a half. Yep. Sorry, all okay. good. How many? What's the top three things or just biggest difference between that and Santa Monica? Oh my God, there's there's nothing is the same. Same. Yeah, it's it's really really different. Um, North Philly, I, I don't live I in North Philly. I live off of Temple's campus. You know, like I don't live, I'm not ingrained in North Philly. I know Oh yeah. we have, there's some friends, there's some people like uh, Cole Otisirk, who's a, a mutual friend of ours who worked at Al Sports uh, with us last year. He lived in, in Fishtown. He lived like off campus in a real place. Um, this, you know, I, I just live off campus. But from what I've gotten from North Philly, it's very different from Santa Monica. Um, Santa Monica is a lot quieter. It's a lot more residential. Um, and... A big street does run through it, but there's still, I don't know, I, I consider Broad Street to be a big imp- to have a big impact on North Philly. And right. where I'm from, I'm near a lot of big streets, but nothing like Broad Street. You know, Philadelphia runs on two streets. Santa Monica is not like that. So just, I mean, geographically, it's so different. But the people, the atmosphere, the culture, everything, yeah, it's crazy. How did you get, how did you start to think about the field? Of You're always into sports. Of, yeah, of media. But how about the media side of it? That's a good question. I I knew from a really young age that I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I, I think it, it was in my fifth grade yearbook, sports was announcer. It? Oh, yeah, was it really? Yeah, it was, seriously. Like uh, aspiring job? And, and the reason, I, I know exactly why. I, I knew at a pretty young age that I was not a great athlete. I probably knew that <laughs> when I was like 12. Okay, this is not. I, I watched a lot of sports. I knew what it took. I knew that I did not have whatever it took to, mm-hmm. to be a pro athlete. <laughs> you realized so, it, though? Yeah, I did uh-huh. early enough. And so I realized, like, okay, what's the next best thing? Announcing. Mm-hmm. I was talking about him. Yeah, yeah, at the time, I don't know if I was so personable, but I grew up to be a little more personable and someone that could do that. And my father had a, a friend, a colleague. My dad works in television. Um, he was a game show producer, and he produced a poker show during the National Hockey League strike in, I oh. think it was 2004, five, somewhere in there. And a lot of the announcers were out of work, and one of the local announcers, the Anaheim Ducks play-by-play announcer, John Allers, um, worked for my dad and was an announcer on one of the shows that he worked on. And they became friendly, and we got to go see him announce. And I must have been, I must have been 10, 9 or 10, when mm-hmm. we first went into the booth to watch him announce. And this happened a little... My, my, my dad also worked with another broadcaster earlier on in his career. So I, the first time I went into a press box... Uh, I was like six years old. Oh my goodness! And it it was professional a, hockey. It was no, that wasn't even pro hockey. That was earlier. That was um, baseball. Okay. It was in San Diego. Um, my father, through a couple of other shows that he worked on, knew a guy named Matt Vaskersian. <gasps> yeah, an MLB yeah. Network. He's MLB a, the show, at, the voice. Yeah, at, exactly. If that, yeah, that's you know, he's he's, he's the Sunday night baseball announcer now. But back then. He was the Padres play-by-play announcer, um, and you know he was just a, I would say, more of a colleague of my father's than than John Allers was. He was a friend of my dad's, but uh, I, I was kind of young enough where it was cute to take me into a press box, mm-hmm. and I, I first saw, yeah, the, through the eyes of of a broadcaster when I was, I, I want to say six, um, and I did that a few times, and then again when I was like ten or eleven, and that's when I was, you know, it, that that's when it had an impact on me. That's when I was impressionable enough to take that. And I thought, okay, this is, this is mm-hmm. cool. I like this. I'm going to run with that. And so that's, that was in my mind the whole time. And when I got to college, oddly enough, when I started broadcasting was when I realized, you know, I'm, I'm interested in other things too. Um, and I might not want to pursue this professionally. So that's what I wanted to hit. Yeah. So you, you did it. have a realization. This I did. Year. Yeah. This year, last year into this year. Describe it to me. Sure. If so I, uh, I, as I mentioned, that was the, the goal was to be a sports broadcaster. And I got to Temple and that was, I mean, to think about 
what I was like back then and, and how I thought I could just walk in and become an announcer was funny. I walked, we're sitting in the WHIP radio studios at Temple in the tech center. Mm-hmm. And I, for this was the first outlet I got involved in when I was a freshman. I went to like, they, they have this big meeting where media students can go to. It's in the student center where they have all of the different media outlets represented. Somebody speaks. And then afterwards, you can get information about it. You can go on a tour. And I guess I, not only did I do that, I was involved with Al Sports my freshman year. I quit. And when I was accepted mm. to the position to announce Temple football my sophomore year, Matt Bevanor, who I was calling games with, he was the color guy. He had just been selected as the color commentator for those broadcasts, or my junior, his senior year. Mm. He asked me if I would ever have interest in anchoring Inside the Nest, which was the football update show on TUTV, run by Al Sports Update, and I, uh, I was really interested in it. I took the offer. I spoke with Matt Fine, who runs the program, and um, as soon as I could, sort of took that position, never having done much on camera before. That was also the same year that I broadcast these football games. So, here, and so that was like my first job, and I eventually built my way up to get to call the games and. I was all Temple football all the time. It was a crazy semester. I called, I think, seven or eight games. Uh, was, was that the Penn State year too in Notre Dame? Was that the that year was uh, yeah. The Penn State came our fresh my freshman year. We went there my sophomore year. I was right. on the pregame the the pregame crew at the time for okay. that. So I went to Penn State that time, and then we went back. Yeah, we did. We went back, mm-hmm. uh, and they lost by a touchdown. It was a, a crushing mm-hmm. game. So yeah, I went. We went to Penn State. Uh, then we went to Notre Dame. That was my first broadcast. That was the first game I ever announced. Your first broadcast yeah, was, was at that... Notre Dame. The first for oh. play-by-play. I did the pregame but stuff. Still, yeah. And that, uh, is that was that your favorite venue you've announced? No, in? it was not. Really? It was actually. We'll get. Uh, we can get to that later. Okay. Uh, but so anyway, that's a, a lot of the background. But I point being, I did all of that in one year, and I guess mm-hmm. I kind of burned myself out from it. I, I broadcast all those games and and did an hour of live TV every week for. 14 weeks and it was just draining and and I liked it and I enjoyed it and I liked the rush of some of it and I liked covering sports but I learned a lot more about what the life took and what it takes to to do this outside of college and I, I didn't want to pursue that I, I decided I, I couldn't I couldn't do this for 10 years in in small towns building um, your way up in the in the same yeah, old preparation yeah I, I just didn't yeah it didn't interest me enough enough I loved doing it here, right. and I still continue to do it after I made this realization. But, I, yeah, I just realized, you know, I, I don't think I love this enough to be happy pursuing it. And I respect immensely the people that do because it's an incredible field and it's exciting. And to get to go to a place you've never seen and start a life there and a career doing something you think you love enough to move your life there is is wild. I mean, we have friends that have done that, and I I. I tip my cap to them, but mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not really for me. I don't think I, I think I want to move back home, and I I plan to. And ideally, working as a good question. Mm. Ideally, ideally working as a television writer. Television writer. Yeah. Um, at first, I would like to get into production overall and, and development, but that would be if you said, "What would you if you could get hired right, right. now?" That would be genre like comedy. Really? Yeah, I'm. I'm a little hurt that that you're surprised that you think no, that I would no, be no, like no. a better. No, drama your sarcasm. Writer. Your sarcasm. Like, it, it, I'm just trying to point out what show like inspired you to do this. Ooh, I don't know if it was a show. I, no, it because was a lot of different things. I'm just. Yeah. Tr- I'm trying to point out what show that you that had be a good less of. I, I can point to where I w- knew I wanted to become a play-by-play announcer. Okay, but I can't as easily point to when I knew <laughs> I wanted to go into into TV. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, th- I thought the answer will probably come, right? With I'm time. sure. We'll, sure, we'll keep time. going. But if you want to talk Notre Dame, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, it's okay. That was my first broadcast was at Notre Dame. We drove down. It was 11 hours. Right. Myself, Matt Bevanor, who's the color commentator, and Tom Hanslin, who's our beat writer. And sort of, I mean, he was the first iteration of what has now become an on-site producer. He would feed us stuff, and we'd talk at halftime, and, mm-hmm. and he would listen in and and tell us if we had any technical problems or, or things like that. Cool. Um, and we, yeah, we drove down to Notre Dame, did that game. It was the nicest press box I've ever been in. Nice press box. Uh, press Wait, box you said booth. You wasn't your favorite venue? It wasn't my favorite venue, but it was the nicest venue by far. It's nicer than some pro venues, I'm sure. Okay. 
Man, I mean, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sure so it's not nicer trying... than Dallas. No, yeah. Or, like, yeah. you know, uh, whatever they plan to build in L.A. In that life. But, yeah, it's it's a wild, wild. Mm. I just, everything is Can you see touchdown automated. The uh, yeah. You know, well, you can't, not from where we were. Okay. You could see the dome, though, the golden mm. dome, and the sun hit it. And that was we had already seen Touchdown Jesus that morning, so of that course. was the coolest thing. And you saw the we lake. were way down. We were the farthest booth all the way. Uh, I don't know which way is north and south in Notre Dame, <laughs> sure. but it was all the way to one end to the left end of the press box when okay. you walk in by, like, a goal line. And then the the Notre Dame student radio was right inside of us. Okay. Uh, and they were, like, outfitted. They, they were dressed oh, really? with Notre Dame football stuff. Yeah, we were just wearing suits, but <laughs> it was a pretty wild experience. I, so th- they were wearing Notre Dame stuff. Yeah, they, they were. were. Supported? I know How that's not our our policy, but yeah, they had. They were all wearing the same thing. I think they worked for. They were probably you know, they were the affiliated with too. Notre Dame radio in some way. We're not no. affiliated, but yeah, it was. I was jealous. I got to be honest. If I if they give me the option to wear <laughs> like a Temple football quarter zip with a tie, I would I would pick that any time, man. Like, and come on. The the one that they give you matches the uniform they're wearing that game. Oh yeah, they like a rotating whatever schedule? it was. They were all matching. <laughs> Down to the khakis and the shoes, they were clearly had more funding. It was it was <laughs> incredible. But hey, we Temple funded our whole trip there. Yeah, uh, it was it was incredible. Um, we stayed at some weird hotels in in odd places in Ohio yeah. and Indiana, but <laughs> it was still a great experience. And Temple Temple paid for the whole thing, which was which was so much fun. Yeah, that was probably the the uh, most professional level broadcasting experience I've had. My favorite was Army. We went to Army last year mm. um, to broadcast a, a road game we did. I, I was o- in the booth solo. Matt Bevanor couldn't make the trip. And they were originally going to put us on press row, which if you've ever been to like a, a, an event like this or into a press box, <clears throat> excuse me, there's uh, a press row where all the beat writers sit. And it's mm-hmm. usually silent. And sometimes for overflow seating, they usually do this more with basketball than football, but they have done it with football before, with Temple Student Radio, they'll put you on press row. So you're energetically announcing this game with a silent audience of people. Not only just people, but people that can fact check you and and judge you, know what's going on. And so that was what we were facing. Mm -hmm. But they had a cancellation. Their radio booths double as like luxury suites. Mm. And it's an older stadium, so it's not crazy. But somebody dropped out. And we had this luxury suite at Army on the 35-yard line, which was the closest to midfield we've ever been. And it was the craziest, uh, craziest is the wrong, the most beautiful scene I've ever taken in. It, the, mm-hmm. There was a lake beyond the stadium. It was almost mm-hmm. fall. We almost caught it <laughs> with, like, the leaves changing. And it was beautiful. I mean, uh, it was crazy. The cadets all sit in the stands and, and go nuts. And it was a really... A really intense game that Temple ended up losing. Uh, mm. I thought they gave up. Army had to pass. Army's a notoriously rushing team, and Army had to pass and uh, just drove down the field on Temple. Went to overtime, and Temple lost. It was a terrible oh. game, but that was the 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 best venue I've ever been to. They checked our car on the way in. It was a yeah. you're on you know uh, how was that solo property. Ball? It's tough, man, and we didn't even have crowd noise. It was not a great broadcast. It was more of an experience thing. But, so, the, but it's it's hard. You just have to keep going. You are both. The only thing that is helpful, I guess, is the guy that says the plays. Right? Is there a play-by-play like they have at the link? Oh, like a PA announcer that no, there it's there like isn't a spotter. No. no. Oh. So Tom Hansen was our beat reporter who made the trip, and actually Ryan Wallen, uh, who was writing for he, I think he made the trip himself, or his outlet sent him Al's. 24 7 mm-hmm. sent him um so they were in the booth with me um sort of just like giving me stuff from twitter or pointing stuff out on the field but nobody was nobody else was on the call it's not supposed to be like that it mm-hmm. was it was kind of just i still want to make the trip even if matt can't go and i did sure. and so yeah it's it's tiring but it was a lot of fun how about that transition after said realization was made talking to matt fine when you had to really realize that you're going to have to release the microphone for a little bit and you're going to have to take the back step. Not the back seat. Uh, just you're going to start producing more. Yeah, Organize. so I, I do all that. And as you can tell, I have great passion for those of course. memories and experiences. 
uh, enough so where I would ramble about them on your podcast. I love but, it. Uh, I you still have that play-by-play skill of painting the picture. Hey, every I story I could, I could. I, this paint. this station taught me how to do that. Gave me an outlet to do that, which go. I'm very grateful for, and I still love it. And I, you know, if 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 you could put me in a place for ten years and say like you're gonna do it here, I would love to do that. But you, that's not how it works. Anyway, right. I realized this and. This was sort of also when I realized I don't want to be on camera. I, I gave it a shot Sorry. for a year, and I I just was so stressed out by it. I didn't ever get to a point where I felt comfortable doing it. Uh, even if I put together good things and I could recognize that they were good, there was still so much anxiety around it and waiting to go on, and especially with a live show, doing it live for an hour and needing to remember all of these things and the order of them. It ju- I didn't enjoy it. It did not. It was never fun for me. And... It was arduous for for a semester, and then I did. Um, it I sent did, you away. It did, yeah. It, it it I did a show on YouTube after that around the basketball team, five to ten minute show taped called Courts in Session. It is no longer. That was fun, you know, because that wasn't the stakes weren't as high. But I just realized at that time I'm done. So I went to talk to Matt Fine, who runs the Allen Sports Update program, who's an advisor to so many people. Um, and I said, I, I don't want to do this. I'm not good at it. I don't want to return as an anchor. Uh, and I, I don't like watching myself. I don't like any part of it. And I think I'm going to quit altogether. I, I plan to quit everything at the radio station, too. Whoa. And he said, he said, you know, just... And the reason was that I realized I don't love it and I don't want to pursue it professionally. That was the, the real reason I went to him about it. And he said, even if you don't want to do something professionally, you can still do something because you like it, because it's fun. You can take a class, even if it's not directed at what you want to do after college. It was good advice and advice that I never really considered, and it kept me around. It sort of kept my mind around this idea of continuing to produce for Al Sports Update and stay with the radio station. I had plans to just quit everything and, and take classes and focus on... Um, what were you going to focus on? I don't really know. I, I was going to focus on writing more, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I just felt really tired by that whole process yeah and i i was burned out i didn't want to to wake up at at 6 30 every morning just so that i could have enough time to to do all the work for al sports and work a job and classes but i just realized that i liked it and i didn't want to just stop doing it so i agreed to announce i think it was four games of the football season for whip and i didn't do any road trips like last year which are a big undertaking i didn't do any local road stuff I just did four of the home games. I'm going to do another basketball game before I leave for the semester, and that'll be all I've done broadcasting-wise. And then I decided to stay on uh, and sort of created a position at Inside the Nest, um, an Al Sports Update, to stay on as a producer where I could sort of shape the show a little bit more and write some more but not be on air. And it was a long... It it, it was still as tiring as Mm -hmm. I remember it to be, but I enjoyed it a lot more, and seeing my enjoyment shift from you know broadcasting to producing i uh i decided that's what i wanted to do and i worked for a production company over the summer and there were a lot of things that pointed to this but uh yeah i i realized i i'm good with Mm -hmm. with being on camera and uh i love play by play but i'm I'm just not willing to to give it the the effort you need to to have a successful career at it you're it's it's so different now because you said like you you were obsessed not obsessed but you had to focus on yourself focus on that two minute hit that you're going to do your lines now the whole show is yours the whole 30 minute whole hour long is your writing like you were saying it um to somebody in al sports somebody said something and you're like yeah i wrote that or the (laughs) the anchors one of your their their lines to set you up you're like yeah i wrote that (laughs) and how's how has your mindset had to change because now you you're looking for the organization to succeed, not you. Yeah, I, the funny thing, the funny thing is, when you're on camera and you're preparing to be on camera, you are preparing to not look bad. That is all that you're doing. You know, you're you're, you're trying you're to, really... to put a good piece together or a good um, reader together or a good package together, whatever it is. But you're just trying not to look bad. You mm-hmm. just don't want to look bad. And I was so stressed out doing that that all I would look for in the show afterwards was not, was that story good? Did we editorially put something together that was interesting? All I was looking for was I messed that word up. 
I, I talked about the wrong thing in the wrong order. And, and Jim, I had some bad mistakes on camera. Did you? Yeah, some really bad. Do you and still remember anything? Of course, I remember all of them. <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> once me, tossed a a John Gilbert was our reporter the entire season along with Alexa Ross my junior year when I anchored right. and I once called him John Ginsburg who was the reporter the year before him who was a friend of mine from the radio station right. in a toss I just called him the wrong the wrong name I, I had no idea where that came from I, I once tossed a break in the middle of a block oh, and man. Matt Bevanor who was anchoring for us said actually we're not going to break <laughs> and like uh, just completely I, yeah and, and Obviously, we, we th- there was something going wrong with the show and the control, but I messed that up. And t- like there were a, a thousand more messed up words, right. names, I... pauses, you know, look looks on camera, whatever it was. I never looked good when somebody else was talking on mm-hmm. camera. My face was always weird. But anyway, I, I I that's all I would focus on was what I did. And maybe that's vain or wrong, but that's mm. when you're on camera. That's just what what you look for. That's how you create the show, and. I wasn't really creatively driven by that. And when you produce, I don't even hear what the anchors say. It's like the complete inverse. I, I don't know some of the points they make. I mean, I know what they're going to say before the show. But there's so much going on that I'm not listening to what they're saying. I'm figuring out how to keep the show moving. So you go from one track to thinking about everything but that one track, except I did a lot more writing than maybe a show producer would with the anchors because we had two great show producers, Jimmy Paroli and Addison Hunsicker, mm. ran the show and the video elements of it and everything from you know directing to, to looking over it uh, from a tech perspective and how could we do things and, and create things more. And, and um, I really got to focus on the writers and the writers, the anchors, and writing for them and what they were going to say and how they were going to say it because we kind of created a third position for me. So I would sort of build the rundown and figure out how the show looked creatively and then got to write and so yeah I, w- I would write teases and tosses mostly mm-hmm. and uh some of their transitions i would write no huddle though i would build no huddle which was our oh, yeah. favorite segment to run that we talked about at the top and uh f- through that a lot of the funnier bits that they did i got to kind of frame but they came up with a lot of stuff sunglasses and, yeah the sun yeah Jesus. we're going to the bahamas <laughs> yeah i would i would i would frame a lot of what where they could be funny, and then they would the anchors would be funny, and and by, by like the sixth or seventh show, we knew that they could really do it with no notes if they needed to or no prompter. They could kind of go, and we just let them. And sometimes Matt Fine would write really funny lines as well. Did he? Yeah, he 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 had he got it. You know, he thought it was too long. Yeah. Uh, but he he understood what we were trying to do, and so he would punch up what I would write sometimes. You know, at one a.m. if I'm writing a question, maybe it's not the the, the funniest way to ask it, and he would change it. So yeah, I don't know. That's a lot of, a lot it. of uh, tangents about this show. But yeah, I would you get to see your writing in it, and that's that's almost as powerful. I mean, it's not like delivering a line, and the control room takes the the element perfectly, mm. and it just feels good. You know, there's there's something in it, and an adrenaline to that that can't be matched. But writing it for somebody and rooting for them to do well and watching them do well is is almost that rush. So. I, I found that, and that was a big realization. I know it's something you and I have personally talked about a lot, mm. something that you have talked about in your mind, and, and yeah, I, I think it's beneficial to see it from both sides. It's, it's precedented at Al Sports. A lot of people have done it. I know um, Christy Sergio was an anchor when I was a freshman, and then I think my sophomore year, I'm not sure if, it, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was the second semester my freshman year she produced, but I know that she did both. Um, so there, there have been people to have done it, do it, but um, it felt pretty odd at first. And then once we got into a rhythm, it was fun. I got to write your name in a lot of hey, different hey. stuff, and <laughs> and we 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 messed you up a lot this semester. But we also, I you know, we gave you hmm? some a, a few chances to be you, and that yeah. was great to to watch also. So yeah, it's not just the anchors; it's it's getting to put people in positions to succeed and watching them do it. That's the the more rewarding thing. When you're an anchor, you're one of those people. True. You know, uh, you don't have as much of a say. I, I would imagine when, like you were saying, when you were an anchor reporter, the biggest thing you're focused on is not hitting that word right or not looking at the right camera. As a producer, that's probably the smallest things you worry about. Couldn't care less. Yeah. I mean, right. you know there's going to be mistakes, and, and you don't have time to focus on one thing. You have to focus on ten things all at once, continuously. So, you know, you realize it's an hour show, and you realize that 
people watching aren't going to spot half of the things that you're you're freaking out about. Yeah. They're things that you know because you do this this every week. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you don't care about a missed shot. Somebody messes up a word. If it's not a, a big mistake, right? If it's not going to black or the you know, Cursing there's no yeah, no one's on camera. Um, you know, <laughs> you're reading the wrong thing. I the the thing that I hate the most having anchored is when we put people on camera in a bad position where they can't do anything about it because that looks the worst, that feels the worst for the person, mm -hmm. and it's completely our fault. I, I hate doing that. We've done that to the anchors. I know we did that to you um, just with you know tech problems or or trying to cut things in the show because we were heavy and, and didn't account for it early enough, and then we can't communicate properly. Yeah, that's the worst. You, you hate that. Everything else you can handle. Mm. Mm. And, you know, as, even as a reporter, you may get you may get ticked off for like the first couple of minutes, but then you just realize you just gotta take a breath. And you yeah, just, it's you, you're, you're especially here, man. We're in college. We're trying to put you know? work together. We're trying to learn how to do this. This is the the lowest stakes you're ever gonna be in. Right. These are the lowest stakes you're ever gonna be in. And uh, you know, as Matt Fine likes to say, this is a teaching hospital. Al Sports Update is a teaching hospital, and we're just trying to learn how to do it. And if you can put together a good show, that's great. But if you learn how to do it, that's that's what we're looking for. You know, there's always going to be mistakes in that. The sooner you realize that, the calmer you'll be. I don't think I knew that when I was anchoring. Awesome stuff from Max Merkin. Max, thank you so much for coming on. Max, what was your favorite sport growing up as a kid? Ooh, it was baseball. Yeah? It's what I played. Yeah, I played baseball. I played t-ball when I was a kid. I had bad eyes growing up. I Did had you? really bad eye problems. I had what's called teaming and convergence problems where my, like, my eyes wouldn't act together a lot, and I didn't have good peripheral vision. Uh, I did a, like a lot of it's called eye therapy. It's like physical therapy for your eyes. What is that uh, like? It's like crazy training with with different um, like the letters on reading steroids? drills. Yeah, seriously, honestly, a lot of that stuff it, yeah. it, like involves the letters and the numbers and and changing your view and reading through different lenses. It was crazy. It was ridiculous. But I couldn't play baseball when I was a little kid. I just didn't see the ball well. Uh, and so I played t-ball when I was five and I hated it and I came back when I was ten and I played baseball all through high school So I played baseball for like eight years straight and when I was playing baseball I was I was like an encyclopedia of baseball knowledge. I wasn't oh. even yeah I was nuts man. I, I read everything I that was like my obsession as a kid and into high school and then once I got into High school and into college I expanded and became a much bigger sports fan now gotcha. It's pretty even but baseball. Yeah, that's my first you think that'll always be your true love It'll always be my true love, the thing that I understand the most. Right. Some, you know, so much played, emotion. Yeah, in it. absolutely. Like the the father son connection. Oh, of you know, it's it's always there. Um, so yeah, it'll it'll always be my true love. But I've grown to love football and basketball nearly as much. And I I grew up a big LA Kings fan, so I'm a hockey fan. I don't follow it as much. Mm -hmm. But baseball, yeah. Awesome. And how about how about comedy? You always been you always been laughing. You always been making yeah. jokes. You always um, just been. How long is sarcastic Max Merkin? Oh man, some of your sarcasm, Ugh, like Jim. When I was a kid, <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like poorly sarcastic. I was cynically sarcastic. It was bad. I don't think people understood. No, I don't want to say that. I did not understand sarcasm. It's not that they didn't understand the humor. It right. wasn't humor. I was like such a cynical kid, man. Can you give me an example. I don't even. Was it like Norm Macdonald, like that type of stuff? Like we're just so. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Tough. I would have compared a nine-year-old me to Norm Macdonald. Yeah, sure. He was, I definitely, yeah, like I, the, my comedy was a lot more of like, like rolling my eyes at other people. Yeah. You know, this uh, guy. I did, yeah, I wasn't as personable about being funny, I guess. It's more um, of feeding off other people. I yeah, guess, right? and, and sort of crit being critical, mm -hmm. like the, uh, that sort of satire, I guess, gotcha. if you could call it that. But I always loved comedy more than everything else i don't think i come from a, a funny family and my parents have a love of old comedies movies and tv shows and so I, I got to see a lot of that like when we were kids we would watch get smart which was like an old school mel brooks uh comedy show about a spy or a spy agency back during the cold war it was like this hysterical show we watched that as little kids we would watch get smart with my parents so i remember watching comedy a lot as a kid, getting into stand-up and watching a lot of different stand-ups. Um, and once I got to high school and started watching a lot of different types of shows was really when my and social media became a lot bigger in my life and I got to read a lot more and follow a lot more. 
that's when I really kind of latched onto it. But yeah, come. My parents are both very funny people. Mm. Um, I've had friends come over and see that and see where I sort of where I get it from. Yeah. Um, but my sister, I say my sister's the funniest person in our family. I have a younger sister who's a freshman in college, and she's she's really really funny. So yeah, I, I guess making people laugh was always a big deal in my friend groups growing up and just in in my family. And so I don't even watch anything else. Like I hate I was... sad movies. I don't like. I'll, I'll watch some dramas. Like, I love The West Wing. I obviously mm-hmm. love classic stuff and, and really, really good um, shows. I know I'm trying to think. I Because of Inside the Nest, I don't get to watch a lot of TV <laughs> right now. Um, what's what's inspired you, at least, with ideas? Comedically. Yes. Ideas. Well, I'm, I'm obsessed, as obsessed with baseball as I am with Seinfeld. Are you? Yeah. So I'm, I, wow. I would consider myself a Seinfeld aficionado. My parents are going to love you. Yeah, everyone's parents, man. It's it's a weird thing. Tom Hanslin, who we mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier, was as big a Seinfeld fan as I was. And so for a couple of years at WHIP, I got to go back and forth with him about it. I've got some friends that are getting into it now and realize the humor in it. My roommates like it. Yeah. But Hulu's yeah, helping I, out with that. Yeah, right? yeah. But uh, I that's something we would watch when I was like 10, 11, 12, all the way through. Still watch. My grandparents loved Larry David Joe. Like everybody yeah. in the family loved that humor. And so I've seen every episode. I can quote most episodes. I've read books about it. Big Jerry Seinfeld fan. So that was the biggest sort of like obsessing about minute things that no one should care about. That's really what I. That's like where <laughs> I. Where my, in? Yeah, that's like where my sports <laughs> fandom comes to. I like to focus on the weird yeah. kind of nuances of it. So that's where I'd say the biggest Im- influence. But. I mean, I don't know. I, I love all those 90s sitcoms. Obviously, Seinfeld, but I've seen a bunch of older sitcoms. Cheers and um, Friends, obviously, has an impact on everyone our age. I've, I've seen a lot of Friends. The more contemporary stuff, How I Met Your Mother, I've watched all those things, so I think some of my, uh, some of my influence comes from that, Just and that's what I watched at an impressionable age. Um, but I, Monty I, Python. Of course, yeah. I know my, my, my father's a big Mel Brooks fan, so I know all about Monty Python and Sid Caesar and the show shows, and Mel Brooks all the way through um, to the 70s when sitcoms changed. And, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. Big stand-up fan, too. Um, Who are your favorites? Three. They're coming into Philly. Three you could pick to Philly. John Mulaney. Oh, wow. Okay. Big Mulaney guy. He's got the he's got the deeper voice. Looks younger, though, right? Yep. Love Dave Chappelle. Dave? Okay. Um, like the three I would see. Mulaney, Chappelle. Uh, Chris D'Elia? No. I like D'Elia. Yeah, I, I think he's good. There's like a lot of people that I like and that I've heard of and that I've seen. Um, that are I know just what, good yeah, enough. I, I, just eh. fo- I follow comedy like I follow sports, so I know True. a lot of names and, and jokes. Um, who's the third one? I like, I like Mike Birbiglia a lot. He's got a few specials on Netflix. Okay. I would check them out. They're really funny. I like his style. Last name? Birbiglia. Okay, what's he Mike like? Birbiglia. He's short, uh, pretty short, 5'8". Okay. Uh, you know, Kind of an average-looking white guy. <laughs> uh, Sounds good. But he's hysterical. He's, he's, yeah, I love the way he sets jokes up. And those are the three I would see if they were like, yeah, if they were in Philly. Do you like to watch, like, or do you like to talk to somebody with the same type of sarcasm that you have? How do you like? Do you ever think about that? Like, no, how, I if don't. You met yourself. Like, I would, would you not like, like myself. No. Well, no. You know what? I would respect myself <laughs> because because I think that my sense of humor comes from honesty. Right. You know, it, like, p- people make a lot of, like, is a comic clean or not? Is their act clean? And I don't, I just think funny is funny, and if something's funny, I'll watch it. I I like some clean comics, like Brian Ra- Regan. Brian Regan, Jim yeah. Gaffigan, they're clean comics, and they're really, really funny, and uh-huh. I think about their bits all the time. But I like honesty. I like, you know, I don't like BS. I don't like people that beat around the bush. Comedians that are clean sometimes can do that. I like just jokes, man. I like people that just get right to it. And uh, that, like Dave Chappelle, I think, is the most honest comedian, and that's why I love his humor so much. So if I met somebody like myself who doesn't kind of mess around and is honest about things and that's where their humor comes from, uh, I think so. I, I am sarcastic a lot, but I think that I am sarcastic knowing that that's just sort of a joke, that that's not really mm-hmm. what I'm like. I do think that way sometimes, but... I used to just only be that. Right. And I think I grew into a little bit more of a personality in college. <laughs> Someone that could make people laugh, not just with like that type of humor. Um, but, but you even see it come out during your play-by-play. Like, I oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you, and you'll just hear you've like... You've heard a, most of my... Just my play-by-play play is like the most dry, 
sarcastic <laughs> play by like I I just do that to entertain myself and, and probably you at that point yeah. producing us but um, yeah Vince Vince Call who who was my color guy this year uh, was great with that and mm-hmm. he was so so much energy that I got to be the straight guy yeah. which is so much fun and so yeah when the games get long man I'm telling you Temple plays some teams where like I was I was going back through our schedule two years ago. And there was a game against UMass that Temple won, twenty nine to twenty one, and it was the it was like four and a half hours. It was the oh slowest game. We had games like that this year, yeah, that just drag on. And then we have games like Cincinnati where it goes to overtime and it's the most exciting. It's a ranked, right? It's crazy. Was and that your favorite game you've called? Uh, yeah, Turn yeah, I think okay. so. I think that was the sounded best, like the it. best game. That was the best game that I called, like football wise. But yeah. um, it just gets boring and that's what i yeah i would inject some of that into it absolutely how different was it basketball play-by-play broadcast good question um i realize i've said that a few times today good question you're good uh, at this thank Tommy you freeze thank you max you should keep doing this I'm i hope going you continue to, to i appreciate uh it. i like your shirt too oh thank you chance the rappers acid rap awesome 10-day was a great one. Yeah. Listen to 10-day a lot after, after I got suspended. Was, start, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Story for another time. Yeah, you should do I, one. <laughs> I know a lot of podcast hosts do like a hot seat where, where they sit in the podcast chair and oh. they answer questions about themselves. You should do that. I should. And in that episode, whoever is hosting that or, or the amalgam of people that are, <laughs> they should ask you about your, your high school suspension. Yes. High school? Yes. What happened? Talk about it. Oh. Briefly. Do you not have to give names or specifics? Uh, hmm. Uh, did something that I took place in before uh, school. Okay. Did a the recreational activity sure. before school. Smelled like said recreational activity. Gotcha. You had a shirt on, Mac and Wiz concert. It was a very nice shirt, but uh, you know, I guess it was just screaming at the. This point. may have to be cut from the podcast. Oh, it's it's absolutely going to be cut. I'm <laughs> I'm just saying it now. Should we give like a flow. for this? You can you can cut that. I'll give you like a break right here. Yeah. But as a podcast fan, what you should do is if you cut that part out, put in this, like, production conversation we're having. So we should, we should like, feed a line so that you can edit this cleanly. So what was the last thing you said? You said story for a different day. So, yeah, whoever comes back and anchors the podcast hot seat, you'll answer it then and you'll figure out a way to talk about it. But now we'll, we'll keep it here. How's like, that? That's good for production. You can go back in, <laughs> in whenever you edit this. I didn't this know what you were and doing. put that Max. back in. You ever hear that in podcasts? They'll do that. They'll talk about. They'll talk oh, about so like cutting just, the show. Oh, you just I said just that? re-recorded your your podcast for you. So when you go back and that editing, was awesome. I try. Oh, good point. So you it, just hit him. Yeah, it just hit me. So anyway, been a long day. I appreciate the shirt shout out. Yeah. Big chance the rapper fan. Um, I don't even remember what we how were much talking how about. much of the music. Vince said that. Uh, you know, to him, a show, music is a lot in a TV show. Oh, or, yeah. How much, uh, one, I guess, do you like Do you like music a lot? Is it a big part of your I life? I love it. We're, we're jumping all over the place today. I know, I got ADD. Dude, I, this, I'm a big fan of I'm people so with ADD, so good. I'm kind of excited to have you on. So hey, I, lo- I love it. Let's keep doing it. Music, no, I'm not, I'm not a big music, I wouldn't consider myself a big music person. Mm. I don't have time. I don't listen to a lot of, like my friends, the Spotify summaries just came out. My friends are like, I listen to days of music. It's like, I don't, I have not, I have not listened to a crazy amount. I like it. There's certain, when I'm in the right mood, I will listen to it. If I'm driving, I don't drive in Philly. When I'm at mm-hmm. home and driving, listen to a lot more music. Not mm-hmm. a big thing here. As for a TV show, absolutely. It's a huge part. I respect shows with cool music much more than I respect shows that just sort of phone it in. Mm-hmm. Um, completely i i don't know enough music to be a music supervisor but i hope to one day be in a position on a show where i get to help in that decision because it is so cool how music is paired with with uh especially now that 4k is an option and there's so many more visual routes you can take music man with with tv at this point has has become an art form and so yeah that that's awesome but as like recreationally mm. i do not listen to a ton of music i'm a very nomadic Listener, I listen to a lot of rap, like a lot of indie rock and saw, you know, like um, just odd, I would call it softer music. I don't know. Like, I'm a big Jack Johnson fan. No, I love it. You know, but uh, Banana I, Pancakes. I like, yeah, sure. Mumford I like and a Sons. A lot of different stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Music's not a big thing in my life. Gotcha. What about you? What do you listen to? 
I like everything. I was just about to say that that two hundred or the the music of two thousand eighteen. Yeah. All your music. Yeah. Oh, I loved that. First you're like of all. a top hundred Now songs. that's what we call music. Kids bop. <laughs> No, 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 super mash bros. Did no, you ever have that in high school? Or was it like 2000? Oh man, yeah, I want to say like 2009. DJ they like earworm could have been. That's what it was. I couldn't remember if, if I, if you asked me to, but that's what yeah, was. man, that you're, you're a big fan of those. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was just, <laughs> I was saying the, uh, you said Spotify. So I got an email from Spotify saying that they said all the music that you've listened to in 2018. So yeah, if, if you I open put it. Put in a playlist. Oh my god, it's, it's got everything. It's got trippy it's, red. It's there's got nothing. Yeah, it's, there's nothing there's, the same. There's nothing. How ma- how many days of music did you listen to? Uh, so there was fifty four thousand minutes. Oof, I'm not good at math. I'm not even gonna try. So I'm should not we do sure. it live? I don't think we should do the math live. No. That's a lot of minutes, man. I guarantee you, I was less than that. I I'm I'm very heavily into the music. I'm listening to music all the time. Whatever I do. So this is I dig it. I like unless that. unless I'm right. I wish I did. I'm a big podcast guy. I'm Are a you? big big podcast fan. I listen to that. That has engulfed my my music listening. Absolutely. What app do you prefer it on? Um, I prefer it on Apple Podcasts. That's just what I started with. Okay. Um, and that's that's how I listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts. Cool. Um, but Spotify, I've done in the past. I just don't like. I don't know. I I don't know why I like separating them, but I do. Mm-hmm. Big podcast fan. So that's taken up so much time. I listen to that like 80%. I would say in music, 20. More preferable, a serious where you're learning th- something, sports or... Good just, question. Just it's re- uh, it's like sports and interview. I like the interview a lot. That's okay. why I was so excited to come onto this podcast. Uh, right. And I I listened to Mark Maron's podcast. Um, I, I've started listening to Conan O'Brien's new interview mm-hmm. podcast. Um, but I'm a big Bill Simmons fan. Huge Bill Simmons fan. Love everything. He does love the Ringer podcast. They're a big influence. Uh, and I listen to a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, a- anything. I listen to Alec Baldwin has a podcast. Oh, does he? Whom I like. I know he's not popular in the news right now, but oh, I, he, uh, he ass- assaulted a guy over a parking spot. <sighs> but you know what? I still listen to his podcast. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you that in confidence. I hope I hope a lot of people don't <laughs> listen to this just so that they don't they don't report me. But, yeah, I like Alec, I like Alec Baldwin's podcast. Um Larry Wilmore has a good podcast that I like. So, yeah, there's my podcast, Three Minutes. Max, thank you so much for coming on. Jimmy, man, this has been fun. There's nothing else? Come on. What no, else we got? Uh, oh, Let me course. ask you a question. All right, go ahead, my friend. I like this. I'm going to ask you. I'll come up with a couple. Let's see. You can cut this if you want. Okay. Style. You're a well-dressed man. Yes, sir. Where does that come from? When I was a sophomore, I dated a senior in high school. That's at hold on. That says everything. That's a big that's a power move. I and in, you had to you had to keep up, right? Doing the musical theater, I met her. You were, I didn't know you did musical theater. Did. What'd you do? What what'd you do in high school with in, musical theater? In the middle school I did Middle school. It goes way back. Yes, yes. This so is ingrained. In middle school it was It makes sense. Wizard of Oz. Okay. What were you? Toto. You uh, played Toto. <laughs> I was a munchkin, Max. I was a munch- really I was a speaking a... munchkin. No, no, no. Just, oh man, they just an ensemble. Give you, they give you a was... non-speaking role in your first. Okay. See, but that was as funny as it was. That was the first taste of Al Sports Update that I got. Absolutely, was, was higher... I see. You, you definitely have the qualities of someone that did not just start doing this in college. You have been performing. It makes perfect sense. I just didn't know you were singing. No, but I, I, I mean, getting that role of ensemble made me it. it made the transition easier when I wasn't given the anchor spot of Oh, Sports interesting. Update. When okay. I was given a more developmental step-building uh, position. It's been there for a while since you were a the, It really gave me the hunger, yeah. I guess. Wow. Um, seventh grade was Annie. I was Rooster Hannigan. Are you kidding me? <sighs> swindled, swindled those people. Man. Eighth grade, Little Mermaid, Prince Eric. That was, wow. that, was, that was my least favorite role. Really? I cannot, not a Little I can, Mermaid cannot guy. cannot be a prince, man. I, okay. I, I'm not a, not a cuddly guy. I'll note that if, we, if you welcome. ever <laughs> are to be casted as a prince again. Yes. Like, you know what? No, guys, he, he doesn't do prince roles. We're going to lay off that. <laughs> the hair, I don't like, Yeah, I get it. No, I get much. it. I understand. Uh, anything goes freshman year. I so did you do a play a year? Yeah. Wow, keep going. I like this. Anything I goes, really hope you put this in the podcast. I will. Anything goes was Moonface Martin. That was my favorite role I had because he was a real badass who just talked like this the Man, whole time. still has it. Yeah. Still has it. Okay. So that was 10th grade? Yeah. What was 11th grade? Did you uh, use all the way to, to the end? No. So, no. wait, what was the name of that play, 10th grade? 
Uh, it ended with Legally Blonde, actually. Legally Blonde. So where did you meet this senior that you dated in high school? I met her at... Which play was that? She was a senior when I was a... No, no. She was in eighth grade when I was in sixth grade with Wizard of Oz, and it started, we just started. We oh, knew man. each other. Back then. Okay. But, but we we didn't know. Sure, yeah. We just knew each other, and then we were aware of each other, and I was like, oh, she's pretty. You know, okay. Follow up in four years. Follow up. In high school. Right. Freshman year, get right in and, you know, start talking. So that's how you start dressing. So there it is. You, did you have a day where you, like, showed up, and they were like, Jimmy, man, what are you wearing right now? And you just had to step your game up that day? Or you just knew it in your head, I, I got to start dressing better. I was always the kid who wore those pants that went, you know, you know, okay. those, those the, the rustlers. Before, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Before, you know, so, and I was always, always in gym class or whatever it was, I was just always sliding around. I don't know why. I was, <laughs> when I learned how to slide in baseball, like normally. With big, the one, big impact on you. <laughs> we talk about influences. <laughs> <laughs> sliding a baseball. Sli- so my pants had holes in them at all times. So my mom was like, "Yeah, I can't do." It. You look so, like a third grader after recess. Yes, very often yes. holes in your jeans. Yes, okay, at all times. So your mom says to you one day, "Jim," <laughs> she says, "You got to get nice pants." So I'm like, "All right." And then the girls, you know, we're not together anymore. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I didn't know about it before. You know, she was a very controlling. But person. So, so, oh, okay. Well, gotcha. You know, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. She made you dress better. She, yeah. And I give her credit to to the so thing. so you get nice pants. Uh-huh, button sure. downs, were you that kid middle school button or high school? This high, high school, school button yeah. downs. I was I was like that. Yeah, button down. When I was a junior and senior, for whatever reason, I had like not good baggy jeans, <laughs> weird shoes, but but button downs and sweaters. Yeah, I, I started dressing better like that. So you were like that too, okay? Right. And then college, Same. you just you just took it to another level. You decided like I know that I know how to dress now, and I have. It's not even like that. It's just comfort. My, I've always seen my dad dressing khakis in a, yeah. a button down What's with tie. He's a salesman. Oh, he's got to be dressed nice. Yeah. yeah. So he, he taught me a lot of the communicational stuff. Absolutely. You and definitely have some of that. Thanks. So you So you dress because you saw him dress well. I like yes. it. Yeah. And that's where it comes from. I would ideally like, yeah, I wouldn't, would not mind wearing a tie and shirt every day to work. To a job. Yeah. Well, TV, well, if you're behind the camera. Yeah. There's none of that. You don't no. wear a tie at all. Then I also realize like wear a hat and an wear, acid yeah. rap shirt. Hey, are you kidding me? I'll take I it. I try, man. I do my best. To, yeah. to match the hat to the shirt. What else? Why why this podcast? Why did you start doing this? Max, I came to the... Uh, it's really... My sister is a huge influence on me. She's okay. 23 years old. She just graduated with her master's degree in occupational therapy. And she told me a couple years ago back that active listening is huge. And I never really realized that. And then I had a class with John DiCarlo, sports writing. Yep. And he said how much everybody can offer just in whatever... in Every single person can offer a lot, and you have to treat uh, people you're getting your sources from unlike sources and treat them like humans. And then I said, what if you just treat them like humans without the source part at the beginning? You forget the source part. And so I saw, I thought, talk to people. I know a lot of people that are really cool and just have really fun stories and I can have good things to offer. So uh, when I came to the idea to Mike Carey, the program with the show, uh, to be a radio show, they said uh, we'd rather be a podcast, and uh, it's a lot easier Here to record, go. a lot easier to communicate, so it's good. You're good at it, man. Thank you. This was fun. All right, what else? What else? You, so you start doing this podcast. Yes, sir. You're producing yes, sir. for Alice Sports next semester. Very excited. If you had to pick a job where, maybe not out of college, I hate that, where do you want to be in five years? Sorry. At Small Potatoes. They say, pick your job, your, your job in your 30s, your prime. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What's what's the job you pick? Can I give a name of a person who... I'd love... Yeah, that's as Rod, specific as it Rod gets. Rod Serling. Okay, continue. Rod Serling was the creator of The Twilight Zone. He wrote, directed, produced, and made a cameo on every episode. Yeah, he was. He was in every episode. So, with a cigarette with it, right? So he, I watched him growing up. The Twilight Zone was my favorite show, still is to so this So you want to get into television. Yes. Not sports. I'm Max, I'm... What I was going to pretty much tell you at the end of it is I'm pretty much taking your track. You're following in my footsteps. I'm following you. Hey, man. I'd, I'd and be I hope you don't to, mind it. Not at all. Sports is, no, sports is a good, it is a good place to to learn production because it, I, I don't mean to bash news. Mm-mm. I often try to, but I don't mean to bash news. <laughs> There's more room for creativity in sports production. So you get to, you know, as we did with our show, you get to insert some of your own humor, some of your own style. You know, what I think about when I would anchor, 
you think about the people who when they're and they're broadcasting they're on the air it doesn't feel like it Mm-mm. it doesn't feel like they're doing a show it feels like they're having a conversation like Stuart Scott's highlight reads are just the, the most fun thing to go back and listen to uh, and so it's like that so sports is a good place for that but yeah I mean it's it's a a, a launching point and can easily be Temple's got a good program but I uh I saw it after a lot of jobs. You know, I worked for a production company last summer. I'm interning uh, in the spring Where? in L.A. I'm interning at Comedy Central. Oh. Yep, just got Congratulations, that. Congratulations, Max. Thanks, man. I'm going to L.A. with Temple's program. You just got to get out there and find the jobs. You got to you got to show people in your credits. That's the difference in sports and what we were doing at Al Sports and, like, regular TV, which I want to get into now when I say regular, like, scripted television, mm-hmm. is that your work isn't so much important as your credits are. In in sports production, you make a reel. You put it together, you send it to a news director, they say, oh, I know this person knows how to do this list of things because of this reel. Okay. In TV, no one's gonna read my original writing until I'm trying to become a writer. But I can't be a writer out of college, you gotta build your way up. So in, in you know, what I've found is that in scripted and regular TV and sort of the entertainment industry, your resume, your credits, what you've done, speak for what you can do. And that'll just get people to ask you, hey, what do you know how to do? And if they're asking you, look, Jimmy Freeze, you walk into a room, man, you got the job. It's just getting into that room. It's really <laughs> difficult. So yeah, it's, a, it's a, a long winding path. I hope that it's helped you figure out a little bit more about yourself. But uh, that's cool. You'd want to you'd want to make the new Twilight Zone. So, what do you like? What's your favorite TV show? Then is the Twilight Zone like if you had to say favorite TV show of all time, Twilight Zone? I, I would do that in Monty Python. And you you're so you're like an I'm old obsessed. school. I'm obsessed. I'm very old school. That is that's really old. Love school. Frank Sinatra. Love the Brad big Pack. Sinatra. Oh, Dean I'm Morgan. obsessed with that <clears throat> stuff, man. And how uh, have we never talked about that? I don't I know. know. Pat's I love... Domino. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's a fat like, man. Really? Yeah, I I love the Rat yeah. Pack too. I, I think yeah. a lot of people our age have like this. People that like the classic stuff love the Rat Pack. I have a, a Rat Pack poster. In Do my, you? Yeah, absolutely. But I would go my we I have family in Vegas, and it's not a far drive for me in Santa Monica. So my family would go to Las Vegas a lot growing okay. up. We still make a trip every year. Okay. So I like that fed the obsession with with oh. the Rat Pack much much more. Max, so man, you should be a podcast host yourself. <laughs> Dude, I'm just I'm just you got spitballing it. here. You got I'm, it. Dude. I'm I'm getting experience at this. <laughs> Cut it down. I don't know. Hey, I'll say. I guess we started before the hour, but I was listening to your podcast with our friend Vito Malacari. He went an hour, so we're just we're just rolling. Oh here, yeah, dude. man. There's no rules. You can you can cut whatever you want. Oh we yeah. We can make this our own podcast. All of right. Course. So, Twilight Zone, and Monty Python. Monty Python. What are your like modern? You you watch any modern stuff? What do you what do you like these days? Or like growing up, what was big for you? Um, uh, Breaking Bad, huge. Yeah, a lot huge. of people. My roommates love Breaking Bad. Never got into it. And mine was more because of the symbolism used in every single yeah, in every single Please. piece of clothing. Mm. Vince Gillian, absolutely. They're making a movie. Did really? Yeah, they're gonna do a prequel. What? Yeah. With Jess, so how young is Jesse gonna be? I don't know. I didn't read much about. Jesse probably not even gonna be in it. I don't know. Really You'll have to read more about it. That's crazy, Max. Uh, Breaking Bad, The Office, obviously. Steve Love Crow. The Office. Love, Love The Office. Yeah. Um, Parks and Rec can't get into it. Really? Hey, uh, okay. I was I was once in your shoes. Tell me why you can't get into Parks and Rec. I did. I don't like the blonde chick. Amy Whatever, Poehler. Yeah. Uh, Arrested Development. Is, would be another yeah. huge one. Kind of sim like Will Arnett. The the it's it's a type of comedy where you have to dislike people. Like where <laughs> where they're making fun of of people as much as they're making fun of things. Yeah. And the office is a big one. That's the difference between like the office and some other shows is like the office goes for the cringy kind of like True. dig at people mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of like the heartfelt uh, joke, I right. guess. So that's funny that I can see that. Okay, so you like darker stuff. I, I like no canned laughter. Big non canned laughter. Like that's that's the, the only track. thing that kills me with Monty Python because yeah, it's so old. But absolutely, all yeah. that stuff. Seinfeld has it. Yeah. The only tough. thing people always say like, why doesn't 
Seinfeld ever get the the grief that other shows get for putting a laugh track in? My answer is always that because you're laughing with them, but that's just because I'm a big fan. True. I think it's because they used a lot of like natural laughter from the audience with beats. But any other than that, I can't say I'm a big I'm a big fan. I know that like How I Met Your Mother, they did what's called previewing it, where they shot it not in front of a live studio audience, and then they showed it to a live studio audience, and, and that's laugh. where they did the laugh track. Okay. So, but I I agree. Can laughter not going to be a thing in the next 10 years. You think you think so? I think people our age hate it. People our age and younger hate can laugh. They hate Here's the biggest difference that's going to come from media that I've found. At least like I see it in TV, I see it in everything. Canned stuff, BS, anything that's fake is gone. We are now getting into podcasts. Why? Cuz radio was fake. Radio like 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 how you would do an interview on the radio. Not all radio. News radio, sports radio. What mm-hmm. we do here, this is, I love WHIP and it's educational, but you learn how to, how to host a show. Mm-hmm. That's important. But interviewing people on a local station, you get six minutes with them or ten minutes with them. And then some, somebody said, yeah, and, and the questions you get to the person who's talking gets to decide what they do and don't want asked. Podcasts, you just get to go for an hour. Like, that's another similar facet of the trend. People just want direct to them stuff that's not fake. That if if something's funny, all laugh. I don't want to know when to laugh. True. It's Unscripted. so crazy. Like, uh, you know, sports has become a lot like that. Where um, there's not so many anchors and hosts as much as there's analysts and players. You know, it's people want to hear from people that know what they're talking about. And so yeah, canned laughter, man. It's funny you say that. I was thinking. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. That's done. I, I can't see how canned laughter continues. No. I, I don't know how people like... I can't either. I, I can't watch Big Bang Theory. I can tell you that. I, just I know a lot of people that say that. I like it. I used to watch it. It's funny. I can mm-hmm. see how it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, I need to laugh. What do I put on? Big Bang Theory. I'm not like that. But mm-hmm. I, I hear you. A lot of people feel that way. What else you like? This one, I'm trying to think if, if it's got any... I love it so much. Whose line is it anyway? Yeah. I've I uh I got into Who's Line in college. My roommate Kevin, Kevin Michaels, who's been my roommate, my best friend in college, he uh showed me that show our freshman year, and we would just watch it on YouTube for hours. Yep, for hours, man. Who's uh, Line's great. Ryan Styles. But it's like their comedy and, and the way they did that back then and what they were wearing, everything about it. They tried to remake it and it wasn't that good. Oh, oh, but wasn't the that old good? Stuff is so good. Oh it's gosh. so funny. I love that. Okay, Who's Line. That that was that, and that's, that's it. That's different than I think any any other show because it's Absolutely. it's more physical. Not really though, because it's so quickly improvisational. There aren't really imp- like Saturday Night Live is the closest thing to improv. improv we get. You right. Know? Yeah. There there isn't much of that on TV, and that should change. That's probably going to yeah. change too. I I think a, a remake. They they tried to do Drew Carey's Improvaganza, which wasn't bad. Check that one out yeah, on YouTube. I that, haven't seen it. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, but yeah, definitely whose line. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. Huge fan of the Food Network. Really? Big fan. I I watch a ton of the Food Isn't Network. Isn't that great production? It's great incredible. Camera, I try to figure shots. it out every episode, man. It's like a it's like a secret obsession that I have is the Food Network, Unwrapped. Oh my god! Maybe the greatest show ever. Has been. Has been. Yeah. I and look, Alfonso Ribeiro or Ribeiro. Right. I don't know how to say his name. I love mm-hmm. him. Mark Summers, the old host, the, is 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 so good. He's he just has the voice for it, and I'm sorry, but but Alfonso Ribeiro has been typecast from <laughs> from Fresh Prince. I can't see him host a food show now. It's weird for me. It's just weird. I love Unwrapped. I love the Food Network. Uh, I try to watch as much stuff on Netflix as I can because I know that Netflix has taken over the world, and I want to get into TV, so I better be versed on that. Um, have you seen Norm Macdonald has a show? I have. I have seen that. What do you think? Uh, I can see why people don't like it. Yeah. But I think it's it's just if you like it's, it's exactly what I was saying. If you like people that are funny, you'll just watch him do anything. And Norm Macdonald, he's not really hosting. It's just like they put some cameras out and they rolled a crew out and they just said to Norm be funny and he took his best friend and yeah. he's the sidekick and they just talk to people that he's friends with. It's and great. You got David Spade who he'll uh, he'll be so nice to David Spade and then you get that humor like you're saying the middle school you and to his buddy to the left and he'll just give him it hard. You know what? Why'd you ask that and just. It's Stuff great. Like that. It's really funny. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's funny. I know a lot of people that don't like it. 
it's not really for for people our age. It's for people that love Norm Macdonald. It's right. for people that you know follow him. That's what Netflix is doing. They're just getting people mm-hmm. and they're amassing followers because they're like, look, we've got Dave Chappelle and Seinfeld and and Chris Rock and all these huge names and Norm Macdonald come come hang out. I think Netflix, the biggest power move they made this this year would be Black Mirror. Or at least, I guess, last year. So you like years. Black Mirror Love as a Black Twilight Mirror. Zone guy. Absolutely. It's, it's a modern Twilight Zone. It's it, And that's the first, they said that first thing I heard about Black Mirror was as, you know, modern Twilight Zone. I was a little freaked out by it, a little scared. But no, they do the same thing that Rod Serling used to do, and it's mess with your paranoia. Yeah. It's really what it is. I'm not a Black Mirror guy. I told you I only like comedy. That When I turn on the TV, and it's not for sports or for news or for the Food Network. You're done. It's for, I want to laugh. That's what right. I want to do. I You know, I... I look to movies and to TV for that. A lot of people look to invoke emotion. People who watch This Is Us want to cry. Yeah. Because that's what the show is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you cry, right? Yeah, the dog dying is supposed to make you cry. If it's a comedy, the dog does not die. No. Has Brian from Family Guy ever done? No, he's he's on the show. He he did, though. I know he did for a while. That was the thing. (laughs) See, that made it sad. Yeah. And And it was sad, and then they brought him back because it's ridiculous (laughs) because you can't kill off a character in a comedy. It's not funny. So I don't, you know, I don't don't love that. And Black Mirror, to me, it's like people that want to get freaked out. Right. It's people that want to want to worry about the future. You know, it's like, oh, my God, TVs are taking over. Yeah, you're watching a TV show. Yeah. You're watching a TV show telling you that TV shows are bad. Right. Or that media is bad. Using it's your like, phone while you it, can't. It, it doesn't. It's not congruent for me. You're telling me that I shouldn't be watching the show that you're it's like I, I'm sorry. It's too much for me. Right. But I, I know people that like it. I've had to watch it for classes and stuff. Mm. Crazy. It's a crazy show. It is. Messes with you. I think that's it. What else do we have? You wondering anything else? I'm trying to think if I wonder anything else about you. You got anything to plug? There's a social media following for this show. Max, there actually is. Follow on Instagram and Twitter, Let's Talk You Pod. Um, But we created a new branch of the family. It's called LTU Extra. So we're just going to be using our video production skills to uh, further showcase what our guests are up to. That's awesome. So you put a camera in the studio. Well, it's actually uh, outside the studio. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, our first LTU Extra was uh, our past guest, Robert Zerzolo. He had an investment pitch to the Fox Fund over at Fox School of Business, and we recorded that and put that on YouTube. Wow, that's crazy, man. So, I love that. That's awesome. Trying to give a visual showcase. Yeah, what do I have to plug? Uh, here we go. Well, obviously our Al Sports stuff, um, but I worked for – here's here's the plug that I'll give. I worked for a production company last summer. It's called Ugly Brother Studios. It's a TV production company in Los Angeles, unscripted and comedy TV production company. Tim and Mike Duffy run it. I, I worked for them, and uh, they produced some stuff for Comedy Central. They produced a stand-up special that I tertiarily worked on. You know, tertiarily. Administrative. I was not there. I didn't do anything that involved anyone being funny. <laughs> but I transcribed some stuff. I took notes on some things. January 4th. The special that they did for Comedy Central with Ron Funches, who's the comic, appears on Comedy Central. It's called Giggle Fit. January 4th, I think it's 11 p.m. It's the only thing I've been involved with other than Al Sports Update that is on television. Check that out. Pretty cool. Really funny comedian. I've heard the jokes a thousand times. They're pretty funny. It's a fresh slant. The guy's positive. He doesn't really make fun of uh, people or be negative about things. It's it's a lot of really... It's refreshing. Refreshing. A lot of really funny jokes um, just about kind of... Uh, being a person in today's world. So, yeah, that's what I got. What else? What else do I want to know about Jimmy Freeze? I don't know. I don't know, man. Not much that we've talked about. I know your TV shows. Your music's too off the hook. Yeah. um, And you want to create the next Twilight Zone. That's what I'm looking for. And and pretty much use the platform to change change the world, but make people happy. That's really all it is. One smile a day, we're winning.